Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. Anytime you're in Huntsville, we hope you'll come be part of our worship. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. We hope you'll enjoy this lesson brought to us by Glenn Colley. Scripture for this evening is taken from Book of Genesis, chapter 45, verses 4 through 8. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near to me. So they came near. And then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now, do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Please be seated. Would you open God's book, please, to Genesis chapter 44? It'll be a few minutes before I read that, but I would like for you to go ahead and take the time now to turn to it, if you will, and then we'll come back to it. Tonight's sermon is a continuation of what we talked about this morning. There's some un, un, uh, still yet some undone details that we need to, to deal with. Just because you get the brothers of Joseph in front of Joseph... And just because he's got power does not mean this thing is solved. Joseph has some bad memories inside of him. He didn't expect to ever see his father or brothers again. I'll show you that in a second. There are three questions, important questions, that I hope to answer before the day is over. The first one we answered, I think, this morning, which is, why is there so much time given to the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis. I hope you understand the answer to that based on this morning's sermon. It's, it's given for an understanding of providence. I do not know how we could have a, a better text for that purpose than this one. But it's not just that. It's to bridge the, the transition, the gap between the people of Israel and Canaan. And how is God going to create a great nation of Israel and bring them into this promised land? And the story of Joseph is what bridges that gap. It puts them in Egypt. It gives them time to make a large nation. And it gives them the wealth that they're going to need. The second question is this. Why did Joseph take so long? Why the long gap? Now, just do the years for a second. He's 17 years old when his brothers sell him. And you have this detail given uh, later in chapter 41 that he's 30 years old when he comes into power. And then you know that there's seven years of plenty and two years of famine when his brothers show up. So he is, if I count it right, he's right at 40 years old, 39 years, 40 years old when they come to him. So the second question I want to answer and do this tonight is, is why did Joseph wait so long to, to come in contact with his brothers and his father? And then the third question is going to be, why, why did God choose these lion 
thieving deceivers, the cruelty in these brothers of his to bring that bloody coat of many colors back to Jacob and show it to him and say, we don't know what to make of this. And it was all just a a hoax. It was all just fabrication. And they watched him. They stood there in a huge display of hypocrisy. And they watched him weep. I mean, in the heart of Jacob, that, that, uh, that son Joseph was just as dead as he could be. And it had been a violent death. And those brothers watched him grieve. They watched him. I just, I just tremble when I think about it. Because they knew the truth. They knew he wasn't dead. They knew what they had done. They'd sold him into slavery. He was hauled off to Egypt. But they lied to their daddy and they could watch him. That's, a, that's some epitome of cruelty right there. Let's talk about these last two questions. So why did Joseph not make contact with his father or his brothers? I mean, you have him coming into power. He's 30 years old. These years have passed by, and, and now he's got, surely he's got the praise of Pharaoh, and he could come before Pharaoh and say, I just need to ask a favor. I can, I can deal with being what you want me to be to, to solve this famine and plenty issue, taxing the people and all of that. I'm good for that. Could you just let me have a little time to go back and see my father before we start this? I don't, I don't see how Pharaoh would have denied him that, but that's not what he did, and why not? Well, just, just put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Go on back there to that, that time. You see, as I mentioned this morning, Joseph comes to check on his brothers. They're with the, the flocks, and it's about a 60-mile trek to get you to Shechem. And then from there, because they're not there. They were, but they're not there now. They're in Dothan. That's another dozen miles or so. He's traveled a long way to get to his brothers. And when he gets there, he's eager to see them. He doesn't know what's going on. Behold the, deceive, the, uh, the dreamer. Look at the dreamer. Let's kill him. I mean, this is red hot. And so Jesus, Joseph gets there, and, and they... They'd strip off the coat. They'd drop him down in this cistern. And he could hear them talking. And the Bible indicates that he was weeping. He was crying and begging them to get him out of this, this pit. Get me out. I don't like it down here. Get me out. And then he hears voices that he doesn't recognize. It's the Ishmaelites. Reuben has left. And, and the other ones, they're there. And, and so they draw him out. And they negotiate, I suppose, in front of him. Can you imagine this and how it was etched into Joseph's mind? They negotiate for 15 pieces of silver and they sold him. The money changes hands. And perhaps Joseph is thinking this is just a cruel joke and they're going to reverse this. And maybe he even said it to the Ishmaelites. This is my, these are my brothers. They don't mean this. This is not real. They tie his hands and they start pulling him behind a wagon. And what about that night? How did he sleep that night? What is he thinking that night? And how many nights before he realizes this is real and this is his destiny? But there's one more step. I mean, what about his daddy? And surely he's thinking, now my daddy has got money. He's a man of means. And and he's got servants. And he's going to bring a hundred servants with money. And they're going to buy me back. And they'll fetch me back home again. How long before he decided that wasn't going to happen? And then what would you make of that if you were Joseph? What would you make of that? I don't like to say what I'm about to say, but just so long as you're letting your mind wander through what might be true, do you suppose that Joseph remembered what Jacob had been before he left home? And when when he, you know what Jacob means? The name Jacob means supplanter. It means deceiver. 
You know why he wears that name besides the fact that that's what his mama called him? Well, because that's, that's what he was. And he snookered his brother Esau out of, out of his birthright. Remember the thing about his dad and going with all the stuff on his arm and pretending and lying, just lying through his teeth and he's a deceiver. And I wonder if Joseph thought, I know what's happened. Either my father is dead or he's a part of this and he wanted the money and he's gone back to his old ways now. He's a deceiver again, just like he was. What do you think was going through Joseph's mind? And so he comes and Joseph comes into power. He's 30 years old, and, and the Pharaoh gives him this beautiful wife named Asenath. And, he, and Joseph holds his son Manasseh, and he calls him Manasseh because it means forgetting. And he says, God's caused me to forget all my, all my toil and all my father's house. He's caused me to forget by blessing me with all of these blessings. That's been very hard. Now, now let's fast forward. So he's about 40 years old, 39, 40 years old. He's on, he's on this throne, and he makes sure that if foreigners come in looking for grain, that he makes sure that everything's on the up and up. And so uh, there, there's word that you have, you have 10 of these Canaanite fellows coming in, they're looking for grain. And so they come before Joseph, and Joseph immediately recognizes them. They don't recognize him. He's dressed in, I mean, I don't, they, even if they thought he looked like their brother from all those years ago, they wouldn't have believed that it was him. He was dressed in Egyptian garb, and he spoke Egyptian, and he had an interpreter. And so he just tries to keep a straight face. And it's them, it's the brothers, not Benjamin. Now remember, Benjamin's his only blood, blood brother, only full brother, I should say, only full brother. These are half-brothers. And, and he's just, he, there they are. And his, his immediate reaction was this, what are you here for? We're here for grain. No, you're not. You're here as spies. You came to see the nakedness of the land. I know what you did. You came to spy out the land. First time I went to Ukraine... I'm going to tell you this, it, it, I'm a little embarrassed about it now, but, I, but when we la- I never had been to Ukraine before, and we landed, and I thought the airport was just fascinating, and I shot a couple of pictures as we deplaned. Well, that was a mistake, and, and so I was approached pretty quickly and said, you stop that, and you know what I did? <laughs> I stopped it. I stopped it right then. I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't, you can go to LaGuardia if you want to, I, that's not America, Ukraine is not America. You can go to LaGuardia and you can hop off the plane and shoot all the pictures you want as long as you keep in line and keep the line moving. Keep the line moving, right? But it wasn't that way in Ukraine. They, didn't, they were nervous about that. Joseph said, you came, you come to spy out the land. No, no, we haven't. We came for grain. No, no, we're just hungry. And then, and then one of them says, well, uh, we, we have a father back home, an aged father, and we have a little boy, the lad, our youngest brother who lives with him. See, Joseph didn't know if his dad or his little brother was still alive. That's news to him. So he picks up on that, and he, he goes into a separate place, and he weeps a little bit. Now his heart's breaking over what's happening. They don't know it, but he knows it. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to find out whether or not you're spies, whether or not you're telling me the truth. And, and I, I'm going to I'm gonna put you in prison for, for a little while and let you cool off and think about all of this. And then what I'm going to do is to keep nine of you in prison, and I'm going to send one of you home to go get that youngest brother, and you bring him so that I can make sure you're telling the truth. Now, now folks, parenthetically, what I really believe is happening here is that Joseph decides right now 
I want my little brother with me, and I'm going to bring him here. And I'm going to share with him the riches of Egypt. I'm going to give him a good life, and I'm going to send the rest of these hooligans home. I think that's what he was doing. He said, you go get your brother, and I'm going to keep nine of you in prison. But he he thinks about this over the next three days, and he changes his mind. He realizes that they're hungry, and there's some pity in him. And so Joseph goes to the prison and says, I'm going to to send... uh, I've changed my mind. I fear God, and I'm going to do it this way. I'm sending nine of you home, and I'm going to keep one of you in prison, and I want you to bring that brother back. Otherwise, that man's going to stay in prison. I want to see your little brother to see if you're telling the truth to make sure whether or not you're spies. They don't think, the brothers don't think that Joseph can understand their language, and so they start talking among themselves, and Reuben... Reuben, he's the oldest, by the way. And Reuben's the one who intended at the pit there, it was, it was his idea. Their, their idea was to kill Joseph. And he said, no, let's just put him in the pit. And, and, we'll, and his idea was he would come back later and get Joseph out of the pit and take him back to daddy and everything would be all right. But Reuben had to leave for a little while. And while he was gone, they sold Joseph. Reuben comes back again and he says, what have you done? Now, hold it, hold that, freeze that frame. And let's go now back to Joseph. And they're standing there with Joseph, and suddenly they're in real hot water, and they got to go home and get Benjamin. And Reuben turns, and Joseph is listening, and Reuben turns to the others and said, I told you, I told you that what we should do is, and I, I begged you not to harm the child. I, I begged you not to do it, but you wouldn't listen. And now we're going to suffer the results of the blood of that young man. Joseph didn't know that either. So this is information to Joseph. Joseph didn't know that Reuben had spoken up in his behalf, that Reuben had tried to protect Joseph. Now, I know that there's some criticism for Reuben that's left over here, but set that aside for a minute. Reuben had tried to defend him. And and so what Joseph does is very interesting. He doesn't take the oldest. He doesn't keep Reuben in prison. He takes the next one down. I assume that it's because... Reuben had shown him some favor, so he wants to return the favor and show him some kindness. And so Joseph says, I want Simeon, you know, I want that one, and he put him in prison and sent him away. But he told his steward, when you pack the grain and you sell it to them, I want you to take the money and put it in the top of their, back in the top of their sacks. The money they pay for the grain, I want you to put it back in the sacks. And he sends them away. And why did he do that? <laughs> he made criminals of them. That's what he did. Now he's got, he's got a power over them, and he sends them home. And, they get, and they, on the way, they figure out that the money is in the sacks. And they're terrified. They don't know anything about this. They certainly didn't steal the money, but it sure does look that way. And they're terrified. And they go home, and they just pour it out to Jacob. Here's what happened. You're not going to believe what happened. And this man, the governor in Egypt, and, and he gave us the grain, but he wants us, he, we left Simeon in prison, and he wants us to take Benjamin back, or he doesn't believe they were not spies. But that's not all. Our money is in the top of the sacks. We don't know how it got there, but it sure looks like we stole it. What are we going to do? And Jacob said, I don't know what we're going to do, but I know, what, I know this, we're not going to send Benjamin. I am not going, I lost one son, I'm not going to lose another. I will not go to the grave right now over the grief of my son Benjamin. And so, you're not going back. So the clock ticks. Time passes by until they use up that grain. 
That hunger is a great motivator. They're hungry again. And I mean, perhaps Jacob just figures they're going to die anyhow. He's going to take drastic measures. And so he says to the boys, here's a gift. And he organizes a gift for Joseph. Doesn't know it's Joseph. Organizes a gift, <clears throat> doubles the money, and gives it to him. And says, look, you go to this governor and you say, we don't know what happened, but we want to apologize. And here's the money back that was in the tops of our sacks. And we have more money to buy more grain. Would you please send it to us? And here's our brother Benjamin, just so you can meet him and know that we were telling the truth. And they come. And Joseph, Joseph is watching. He sends the steward out. He doesn't go. And the steward goes and he says, what are you back for? We came to buy more grain, but we got to tell you something. We didn't steal that money. And here's the money. We want to give it back because we didn't take it and we want to be right and do the right thing. And the steward's very nice to them. He says, we know that you didn't take that money. We already have our money. We don't know anything about that money in your sacks. God must have given you that. I know they're dizzy now. I know they're dizzy now. So Joseph says to his servants, prepare a feast for them in my room. And so they prepare this feast. Now the brothers are terrified. So they expected to have a harsh time at the hands of the the Egyptian governor. and, And he's preparing them a feast. This doesn't make any sense at all. It doesn't make any sense. They come into this room. Now, the the Hebrews can't eat with the Egyptians, and so they're at a separate table. But they're going to communicate during this meal. And Joseph makes sure that Benjamin has a portion that's five times bigger than everybody else's. That must have been sort of amusing. I don't know, but the end of the meal came. Now, bear in mind what Joseph's ultimate goal is. He wants Benjamin. He wants Benjamin to live with with him. And he still has no confidence in these brothers. But then he gets to wanting to prove them. He wants to test them. I wonder if they're the same as they were. And so he says, uh, you can go in the morning. But he tells his steward, sell them the grain. Put the money for the payment back in the sacks. And one more thing. You take my silver cup. The precious Egyptian silver cup that belongs to the governor, and you put it in the sack of the youngest, Benjamin's sack. Now, are you putting the pieces together of why he wants to do that? He wants Benjamin, and now he's going to get him. And so he sends them on their way. They don't know the money's there. They don't know the, the cup is there. He sends them on their way. And then he says to the steward, you'll give them a little time, and then you pursue them. <laughs> the steward pursues him, but when he gets there, he says, I can't believe what you've done. Don't you know that the governor of Egypt can divine, he divineth, he, he, he can tell the future, he can read things that are not close to him, he's got magical powers. Don't you know that he saw what you did? What? What are you, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. You stole the silver cup. One of you stole the silver cup. One of the brothers jumped up and said, nobody stole that silver cup among us. We did not do that. And I'll tell you what you can do. You look for that cup, and if you find it in one of our sacks, one of our possessions, then you can kill that man, and the rest of us will be your slaves. That was pretty strong talk. I'm not sure that that should have been said, because the cup is there. But that's what he said. He was so sure of their innocence, and that's what he said. And the, the steward said, no. No, no, that won't be necessary. 
But when I find the cup, if I find it among your stuff, when I find that cup, that man will come back with me and he will be a slave from now on in Egypt. And the rest of you are blameless and you can go on back to the house. And so he, he reaches in and he pulls out that silver cup from Benjamin's sack. They all just kind of have a come apart. And the steward said, go on home. You go home. All of you, go home. This one's coming with me. And he's going to be a slave in Egypt. That's it. And so they start walking. Well, all the rest of the brothers just start walking behind them. And they all go back to Egypt together. They, they're miserable. They're just miserable. And, and Joseph looks up and yonder they come. And so they come before Joseph. Joseph said, so, you would re- reward good with evil? You would do that? Why did you do this? <clears throat> and so, I don't know what Joseph was about to do. I, I don't know. He, he had Benjamin there, and that was his goal, but he has the other ones there too, and now he set this trap, and, and, but he didn't expect them to all come back. That's what they've done, and there they stand. The Bible says that that Judah stood up. He can't stand it anymore. And Judah says, could I speak? Could I, would you just let me explain where we are about this? I know you want to keep the young one, and I know you want us to go home, but we can't. Now, let's read the passage. I'm in chapter 44. I want to start with verse 18. Then Judah came near to him and said, <clears throat> oh, my Lord, please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's hearing, and do not let your anger burn against your servant, for you're even like Pharaoh. My Lord, ask his servant, saying, have you a father or brother? That's what you ask us. And we, we said to my Lord, we have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age, who is young. It's interesting, by the way, that they keep calling him the, calling him the child or the lad. I mean, he's, he's not so young anymore, but if you're, are you the, are you any people here that are the baby of the family? And, and in your family, when you have family reunions, they still call you the baby, right? They still do that with, with Benjamin. And a child of his old age who is young, his brother's dead, and he alone is left of his mother's children, <clears throat> and his father loves him. You think of Joseph's mind went back to when his mama died, and, and, he, and she left behind Joseph, who was a little older, but she also left her other child, Benjamin, in the arms of Jacob. Then you said to your servants, bring him down to me that I may set my eyes on him. And we said to my Lord, the lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. But you said to your servants, unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you shall see my face no more. So it was when we went up to your servant, my father, that we told him the words of my Lord. And our father said, go back and buy us a little food. But we said, we cannot go down if our youngest brother is with us. Then we will go down, for we may not see the man's face unless our younger brother is with us. Then your servant, my father, said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons. And the one went out from me, and I said, surely he's torn to pieces, and I have not seen him since. Stop a second. Joseph didn't know that. Joseph didn't know that, that Jacob thought he had died at the, at the 
the mouth of wild beasts. Joseph didn't know that till that second. <clears throat> so my father was not culpable. My father was not responsible in any way. He didn't know what happened, what my brothers did. Now Joseph knows about his daddy. 29. But if you take this one also from me, and calamity befalls him, you shall bring down my gray hair with sorrow to the grave. Now therefore, when I come to your servant, my father, and the lad is not with us, since his life is bound up in the lad's life, it will happen when he sees the lad is not with us that he will die. So your servants will bring down to the, the gray hair of your servant, our father, with sorrow to the grave. For if your servant became surety for the lad, I'm sorry, for your servant became surety for the lad, that's, that's, that's this brother, all right? Judah. He became surety. He promised daddy that, that I will bring Benjamin back or you can blame me. Your servant became surety for the lad to my father saying, if I do not bring him back with you, then I shall bear the blame before my father forever. Now, therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the lad as a slave to my Lord and let the lad go up with his brothers. For how shall I go to my father if the lad is not with me, lest perhaps I see the evil that would come upon my father? Okay, hold on a minute. So, so the third question is, why, why did God let these ten cruel, lying, deceitful brothers be the heads of the tribe, or at least ten of them, the heads of the tribes of Israel, his people. Why would he do that? And the answer is he wouldn't, and he didn't. What he let was these ten men who are now penitent. See, there, there was a time when they, they'd rather sell their brother into slavery than to be inconvenienced with his dreams and his silly coat. Now, <clears throat> any of them would give their lives to get Benjamin back. Any of them would be willing to be slaves themselves to sell themselves into slavery for the rest of their lives to protect that boy. Joseph didn't know that until now. He didn't know it. Now. Now he hears Judah make this plea, and Judah means it. Take me, don't take him. Take me. That's a different Judah. It's different now. 45.1, then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried out, make everyone go out from me. <clears throat> so no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud. And the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, <clears throat> excuse me, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me there or sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. And it just pours out of Joseph. And, and in his heart, is no longer the pain or grief. He understands that they were at fault. It's not that they weren't, and it's not that they didn't do a terrible thing. It's just that they're not the same men. 
what's happened is that they've paid a terrible price and they've lived with the misery of themselves all of these years. And now, now they'd rather have slavery themselves than to let the other of these two brothers be lost. God made the heads of those tribes from men who had learned that bitter lesson. And those tribes are going to go into Egypt, and they're going to live there until Exodus chapter 1 and verse 8 says that there arose in Egypt a Pharaoh who didn't know Joseph, and he's going to make slaves of them. And for these four centuries, they're going to be in Egypt, and one day God's going to bring them out with a mighty hand with plagues upon Egypt. He's going to carry them to the promised land. And we know how that account continues to go and the details of that. But all gets back to Genesis 15. Can you hear what I'm saying? In your Bible, you need to make a note of that somewhere. This is all about the promise of God. I've given you this land. You're going to be in a land or your descendants, the fourth generation, not you, but Abraham, but the fourth generation. Here's what I'm going to do. And he spoke, God spoke as as if it was past tense, as if it had already happened. That's your God tonight. That is your God who you're worshiping this very moment. And the lesson for today is about his providence. And we need it. We need to believe this. We need to understand this. Is Is that God is good and God loves us. And if you know how to give good gifts to your children... Surely God is able and willing to give good gifts to His. But there may be hard times, and there will be. And you think about all all that Joseph has gone through, but now, and this this will happen to you, Joseph went through some awful things. But on this occasion, when he finally learns all the truth, including the penitence of his brothers, he looks up and he says, God did this. God did this. Is God good to you? Is God good to you in your life? Going through something hard? Would you go through something hard? We must never turn loose of our faith. Why why do we have so much time given to the, the account of Joseph? And the answer surely has to be two. One, to show us this link, this bridge. From, from this little bitty family of Jacob to this mighty family that God's going to deliver into Canaan. And you have to link it together somewhere. And the way you do it is with Egypt. The way you do it is with God's promise. is prophecy and you see Egypt. But that involves Joseph. And so all this time is well spent. But also so that we can appreciate the great providence of God. I wonder if someone is here tonight who isn't a Christian. And wouldn't you like to become one? You need God in your life. You need to have the assurance of prayer and that God listens to the prayers of his people. I wonder if someone is here tonight who's ready to obey the gospel, to repent of your sins and confess the sweet name of Jesus and to be baptized, to have your sins washed away. Acts 2 says that when you do that, he adds you to his church, to his group of people, to the saved. You can be part of that. If you're here and you've strayed away from what's right, you need to come back and you need to be restored. You can do that tonight. I just don't want you to leave and not be right. We're going to sing a song of encouragement, and if you'd like to respond, come as we stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. 
brought to us by Glenn Colley. If you have comments or questions, Glenn can be reached by email at colley at westhuntsville.org.